are on sand. And, and before, before we had the story of the three little pigs that was uh, about 200 years uh, ago, Jesus taught, and it's recorded in, for us in the Bible, the story about building our house on rock. And when you build your house on a rock, it lasts. But when you build a house on sand, it gets washed away. And not so long ago, when I was 18 years old, I remember bringing a group of secondary one and two students to Pulau Ubin for a camping trip. And in those days, we don't have the fancy tents that you have, uh, instant tents that you have today. It's sort of like throw it there and it opens up and builds you a tent. But all we brought were just strings and a large plastic sheet. And we had to look for twigs to act as uh, packs or stakes on the ground. Then we strung up our strings and there we built a tent. And then came the half and the puff and our tents were blown down. Not by the big bad wolf, but when the rains came, our tents were washed away, blown away. And so we had to seek refuge outside people's home in Pulau Obin, I remember. And we passed the night sitting outside the home uh, in front of their longkang, you know, the, the drain that runs outside the home. It was very embarrassing for me as, uh, I think in those days, I was a cadet lieutenant bringing all these young kids out. It didn't work very well. A year later, I saw my 19-year-old friend got blown away. Again, it wasn't the big bad wolf, nor was it the explosives that blown him away, but it was during national service in Taiwan where we were in the midst of a typhoon and I literally saw my friend blown away by the wind and we had to grab onto him uh, and onto one another and we pulled him back. Okay, admittedly, he was a bit of a smaller guy and so the winds were able to blow him away. But many things in life get blown away or washed away when the foundation is not strong. And unfortunately, we tend to build our lives upon these very things that can be blown away or washed away. Well, for some, life is uh, about beauty. Okay, I know, I know it is important, especially for ladies, to, to take care of your skin and, and to go for facials and, and what is called IPL. Okay, I wouldn't quite agree with Botox and all that. But, but, but beauty fades. And you know that these days, you can sort of digitally project what you will look like when you grow old. And somebody did this, uh, get the slides up please, uh, for, for Paris Hilton. And this is what she's going to look like. Okay, she's some rich heiress to some big fortune uh, and reasonably pretty, I guess. But this is what she will look like if she ate. And, and there is a Paris Hilton Barbie doll. And even Barbie dolls can be aged like this. So, beauty fades. Well, then for some of us, our foundation might well be found in, in money, uh, the security that comes with money. And, and yes, it is important to be financially secure, but you and I know that money cannot buy everything. Money comes, money goes, as they, as they say, and, and it goes a lot easier than it comes. And even if it doesn't go, uh, very often it ends up controlling you. Or our foundation could be in our health and our strength. And so we exercise, we eat right. Yes, it is very important to be healthy and to have strength. But with age, 
it deteriorates and I'm finding that out soon enough. Or our foundation could be in our intelligence and in learning. Yes, it is important to keep on learning, but sometimes we, we tend to learn more and more about less and less until you know everything about nothing. And in an instant too, all your knowledge can be lost in a stroke or through dementia. What does the Bible have to say about this? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Bible says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. And the Bible says, according to this, that everything, beauty, money, health, learning, is for our enjoyment. But what is this firm foundation? So that we can enjoy life, so that we can take hold of life that is truly life. What is this? And I think it is talking about the temporal versus the eternal. What is temporary versus what lasts forever. Life that is truly life is eternal. It transcends beauty, transcends money, health, learning, which are temporal, temporary. I want to show you someone who understands what is temporal and what is eternal. Let me introduce this lady. She is Madam Ong, a member of our Paranakan Assembly. She is 106 years old and still living. See what she sings about. This video clip was taken about a month ago. Is that okay? At 106 years old, her beauty has faded. But she has a different kind of beauty, an internal beauty, right? Money, what's there to spend on? Health, weakening by the day. Learning and intelligence, not all that much meaning to her now. They're all temporal. But she has a firm foundation, a strong foundation. She knows that Jesus loves her. And she can sing it in three languages, in English, in Malay, and in Hokkien. And she can also sing the senior's version. Let me show you the senior's version. I'm not going to sing it, otherwise you'll be running out of the hall. But the senior version goes this way. Jesus loves me, this I know, though my hair is white as snow, though my sight is growing dim, still he bids me trust in him. Though my steps are all so slow, with my hand in His, I'll go. On through life, let come what may, He'll be there to lead the way. How does Jesus love Madam Ong? Why should Madam Ong trust in Jesus? How will Jesus lead her 
all the way. And that's what Easter is all about. Jesus loves you and He loves me so much that He came from heaven's splendor, taught for just three years here on earth, and then He went to the cross and He died for us. When He died on the cross, He took your sins and my sins upon Him bodily on the cross. And the most marvelous thing is He rose again. He did not stay dead. And that is the foundation that He died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. This is the rock upon which every Christ follower, every Christian stands. Christ is risen on Easter Sunday. Why? Let me read to you from the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says this, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching, my preaching even now, is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified that God has raised Christ from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. And the Bible issues itself this challenge no less. You're not going to find this in any other faith. If Christ was not resurrected, I'm an idiot standing here and talking about it. We are all liars saying that Christ has risen. Our faith is futile, and of all men, we should be pitied. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this in 1 Corinthians, based it upon the firm foundation that Jesus rose again. It was a foundation that was so rock-solid that he was not afraid, in the end, to be beheaded for his faith. This is the rock-solid foundation basis for our faith. Because Jesus was physically resurrected, He is, as we sing, the rock of our foundation, of the rock of our salvation. But why so complicated? Why not? Why, why must Jesus be born as a baby, live and then die, get, res get, get crucified and then be raised? Why not just come like Superman in blazing glory, save the world, and all of us will live happily ever after. The issue is sin. It was a real dilemma. How can a holy God, a just God, a righteous God, tolerate the sin that is in man? What is this sin? It's recorded for us in Romans, and I'm sure all of us can identify with, with this. It says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Don't you have this sinful nature? I can identify with this totally. And what does the Bible say sin is? The Bible says that whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, that is sin. How can any of us pass this test. And God's nature is righteous and just. He cannot tolerate sin. There are moral laws which even God cannot simply abrogate because that would be against His righteous nature. 
And so sin has to be punished. And our loving and gracious God found the most elegant solution. He came personally in Jesus to take on our sin, to be punished for our sin. Died, buried, and rose again. And He showed the strongest power in the universe, that power that raised Jesus from the dead. It wasn't just some raw, magical power. It is the power of love. That's why He did it. He did that because He loves you and He loves me. Would you receive that love? A 106-year-old lady received that love many, many years ago and lives to sing about it. Would you? I want to show you not a 106-year-old man, a lady, but a younger man. Maybe you can guess who he is. Who's this guy? Hey, I'm smart guy here. Jeremy Lin. He's just about turning 24. Graduated from Harvard. Earns pretty good money. A lot in my, <laughs> by my standard. Playing with the New York Knicks in the NBA. And I guess even more endorsing products like Volvo. Some say he is every parent's dream son. I too have a dream son. And my son and I, my elder son and I, have uh, very similar personalities because we both don't talk very much. Okay, you think that that's not true. Uh, it's not true only when I'm preaching. Okay, otherwise I don't talk very much. So our words to one another, me and my son, are very precious because they're so few. So I send him an email. I say, no, Jeremy Lin? Question mark. Just three words. His reply to me was four words. Passing acquaintance, nice guy. And that's, that's all we say. And Jeremy Lin is a real nice guy who rose to fame, do you know how long ago? Eight weeks, thereabouts. And at the height of Lin's sanity, Lin credible, Lin inspiration, a true Linderella story just about eight weeks ago. And now, from Linsanity to Linjured. Eight weeks from Linsanity to Linjured. And I'm glad it was not a serious injury, although he had to go for surgery. But how fast your world can change. He had health, he had money, he had fame, he had intelligence. But Jeremy Lin did not build his life on his Harvard degree or on the money from NBA. His foundation wasn't on all this because these are temporal. His foundation is on something more rock solid. Let me share a few quotes from him. He said, There is so much temptation to hold on to my career, even more now. But that's not how I want to do things anymore. I'm thinking how I can trust God more, how I can bring Him more glory, even playing basketball. And somebody asked him, what would you do when you stop playing? And he said, I would be a pastor. It's something I think about doing when my playing days are over. You see, his foundation is rock solid. It is based on what happened at Easter some 2,000 years ago. Based on the rock solid love of God, which was exhibited in all his glory on Easter morning when Jesus rose again. This love is powerful. It calls out to us. It transforms us. It transformed the early disciples. When Jesus died, the early disciples were a frightened bunch of people hiding behind locked doors. When Jesus rose again on Easter, 
revealed himself to them, they became bold witnesses. Every one of them willing to be martyred for their faith. And I think all 11, bar one, were killed for their faith. What happened in this great transformation of their lives? Let me share with you another quote from Jeremy Lin. He said, I think one of the most rewarding experiences in life is to see people come to Christ and make lifestyle changes. When that happens, you definitely see God behind it. This year, we've seen eight students make first-time decisions for Christ. And when I see that, it's a great feeling. I'm really thankful that God is changing somebody. Sometimes He's changing me, he says. He's changed me. He's changed me. Once a foul-mouthed atheist who set out as my life duty to persecute Christians, now I am a forgiven sinner. He has changed me. But will you receive God's love? His love that was so painfully expressed on the cross for you and I. Will you return to a right relationship with your Creator God, the loving Heavenly Father? And He's calling out to you today. He's calling out to you today, Easter 2012. Will you let Him change you? Will you be the one today? Will you be the one to answer His call? and to stand where others fall.